0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to a brand new series from Analytics and Tribal Impact focusing on social advocacy and with a keen focus on interviewing influential employees. So I'd like to welcome Rob Bicargo uh, to this week's interview. Um, Rob, do you want to introduce yourself and tell the audience a bit about you and your background?
1: Yes, thank you, Tim, and thanks to you and Sarah for the opportunity to to join uh, this conversation. Uh, So I'm the uh, director of artificial intelligence for uh, PwC in the UK, Uh, so I spend a lot of my time advising our clients across many different sectors on how to harness AI, how to adopt the technology but also working with governments, looking at the policy implications, uh, the economic impact, and a lot of focus on uh, the implications on the world of work, the impact of job automation. And uh, a lot of that is also to try to raise the profile of the technology in a broader business audience, try to break down some of the the jargon and make it a far more accessible topic. And I think a big part of that has been my ability to, uh, I guess, broadcast some of this on the uh, social media platforms I
0: use great fantastic so obviously the first question is is since we're talking about social media influence is how did you develop your social media influence i
1: think uh, i started a lot on uh, linkedin uh, my very very first career i was in recruitment and headhunting so linkedin was really the go-to default platform you know it was your black book uh, that you took away with you wherever you went jobs etc so i think for me uh, linkedin was always a way of life i would automatically just add you as soon as i met you or bumped into you on an email or a chat so i think that was just running in the background quite substantially but i think in the last five years in particular as i've um, evolved this particular job and um, working with uh, twitter has really caught fire for me and uh, for me, that's uh, quite a different approach, happy to explain how I manage both different uh, platforms. But for me, the, um, the, the, the approach with LinkedIn is probably more from a kind of professional uh, broadcast of thought leadership and content on a less frequent basis. And uh, Twitter is more of a regular constant conversation, very, very high engagement. I'll always reply unless someone's rude to me. And it's a, a much, much higher volume and slightly less formal platform
0: for me. So first note is don't don't be rude to Rob, but yeah, uh, right, I think we, we take himself.
2: that as a <laughs> note to <laughs> self. <laughs> but actually, how do you find time for this, Rob? Because a lot of people will be sat there saying, well, you know, it's hard enough trying to shoehorn LinkedIn to my day, you know, and and you're talking about Twitter now, which is much more in the moment conversation. I I I get the idea that a lot of people. have. It's part of your DNA now, so you can't almost compartmentalise and say, right, I spend this much time on Twitter and this much time. But how do you fit it? How does it kind of generally work for you?
1: I think the uh, the the, uh, the the routine that I've been in over the last three or four years, in particular, is it, fairly regimented now. It is second nature. In the days when yeah. we used to commute, of course, I would uh, tend to uh, you know do a lot on the train on the way into London. I would often uh, have another burst of activity during the lunch break, where maybe the, uh, the, the North American community would come online. And then uh, throughout the evening on the train on the way home and maybe watching TV half-heartedly and giving another blast then. So, so that sort of in the background has always been my, my routine, the sort of three bursts across the course of the day. Uh, I'm not a, a fan of automation. I don't do any scheduling. There's no gimmicks or tricks at all in my feed. Um, what, you, what you see is what you get for better or for worse. I think though, as that has started to deliver results, it's uh, given me tremendous personal achievements in terms of appointments to advisory boards, countless opportunities to uh, deliver talks around the world. Last two years, been I mean, to 25 countries giving talks. Um, bit by bit, it starts being able to demonstrate genuine value, commercial value, and brand benefits to the point where now it's an accepted part of my Job description you know so a portion of my time is given over to helping to uh, continue to mature our brand in the emerging tech space
0: uh, th- one question which i want to ask you rob is you've obviously developed uh, your influence and have been really successful at doing it uh, uh, quite often employees are starting out on this road and and not seeing results straight away and so one thing that i really like to think about uh, uh, about your advice is, is, you know, how to sort of keep motivated when maybe the results don't come in week one or week two. So, can you talk us a bit of, uh, through a bit about your your first couple of months and and when you felt like this this was something you should maintain?
1: I think the first thing you should try to do is just spend the first period of time watching. Um, I, I think about the most benefits in the earliest part, of, in particular with Twitter just seeing how it works rather than trying to think you have to make a big splash and i think you can learn a lot just from watching how people interact and how they, how they curate their content i think bit by bit though as you start to gain the confidence to uh, to start putting yourself out there i think you're going to be clear about what you stand for what people are expecting to see in your content and uh, a good colleague of mine uh, andy woodfield who i learned a lot of my tricks of the trade from um, always talked about the the need for maybe sort of three key subject areas that um, you know, you're known for that people expect to follow. So for me, for example, you know, it's AI and emerging tech, um, a lot of work on uh, things like the future of work and, uh, and the issues around the jobs in the workplace, and then a lot of work around uh, gender equality are the three that people would see me and want to hear from me about Maybe populated with a portion of those sprinkled with more personal anecdotes, or you guys might be following me recently of the, the, the tales and tribulations of my new Vizsla puppy, uh, rapidly <laughs> destroying, <laughs> destroying any furniture in the house, etc. Um, just to interject a bit, inject a bit of uh, personality and uh, self deprecation into it. And, and I think if you've got a pattern of like the content that uh, you're known for, it makes it easier to work out what you want to share. Um, I think it then builds up a concentration of followership and people mm-hmm. that uh, increasingly then want to engage with you. I think if you're just spraying and praying random content, and there's a real risk in big corporates that you can fall into this trap. And I think uh, yeah. I think there was a, a friend of ours, um, Alexander Lowe, Tim, that talks about this uh, concept of corporate vomit. You know, <laughs> clearly big enterprises produce huge yeah. amounts of thought leadership and analyses and reports. And then at one point in the day, they're all instructed to press play and send it out en masse in exactly the same format. Um, no personalization, no personal commentary. And, and this, uh, this unfortunately doesn't get any meaningful engagement uh, to speak of to just justify the amount of time and energy it goes into building the content. So so I think think be clear about what you're for, what your followers are expecting from you, and uh, and getting to a routine of being quite careful about what you're sharing Um, until you've got the first foot on the ladder of having some followership that you can then engage with.
2: Just to put on that point actually because one thing that we when we certainly work with organizations and employees they don't actually they can't how do you unpack that how we understand what content I stand for you know what you talked about picking three pieces of content you want to be known for but quite often people don't look into themselves to see how they're different what their unique proposition is and Does that come over time? Do you sit down and go, right, well, this is what I want to be known for. So now I'm going to find content for that. How do you learn that process? Because I think a lot of people get stuck at that point where they're like, I don't really know what I want to be known for. What is, I'm a bit of a generalist, really. So how does that work?
1: You know what, I mean, I I think um, something I dwell on quite a lot is the, um, the concept of being influential on social media and being an influencer for the sake of being an influencer. Mm-hmm. where I I think uh, you can detect if someone's just trying to be an influencer, there's no real love or care or passion or belief in the content they're sharing. They're simply yeah. sharing it for, for for likes and clicks, yeah? yeah? So I think this runs in parallel with, um, uh, you know, your own career journey, your ability to find purpose and meaning in your own work. Uh, and um, and that for me was true. You know, I, I came into this field about five years ago, uh, as the years have gone by, constantly inspired by the um, you know the, the topics I speak about, it matters to everybody. Everyone's interested in it, and uh, I'm lucky to you know to, to be able to be a commentator in this field and a practitioner in this field. So I think it's got to have a real, you know, f- firm connection with with your own passion and purpose. It can't just be that sounds like a topic I will have a go at doing. It's got to, It's got to run through your veins.
2: I love that, you know, there's a difference between being an influencer and a influential and really defining that. Yeah, it's brilliant. That. And actually comes back to your point about authenticity. You know, there's no sort of fakery in what you do. It's you behind the scenes and you're the one that's engaging. I love that. So, yeah. Yeah. Brilliant.
0: I think I think we should have a, a bingo click every time authenticity is yeah. Is got him. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I think we we'll need to build that in for the for the future series. Yeah,
2: we'll do that. Yeah, we're
0: we'll yeah. gonna have a bingo card. <laughs> <laughs> so so Rob, you talked about your your audience, and what fascinates uh, me is is whether people know the the makeup of their audience on on social across LinkedIn and Twitter. I mean, obviously, people have a sense. <laughs> Um, but with things that are that are hard to measure, and obviously you can see the people that are engaging. Do you, could you? Um, I mean, is your audience like PwC, uh, uh, visla puppy owners? Um, I know that you post about your beard that did very successfully. On so, is it like male grooming, Vizsla puppies, PwC, and AI audience, or or like? Do, do you get a sense of role and location and who you who you're having conversations with?
1: I, I think it's um, intelligence that is only starting to uh, to become clear to, to me. Uh, in particular, you guys do a great job on on that in terms of doing a breakdown of the followership breakdown. But um, I, I think in the first iteration, uh, you just need to build a degree of, 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 of mass. And, and I think uh, that will start evolving over time to the point now where I, I have met many of our clients through this new clients, not just ones we already work with um weirdly i i do a lot of my business communication on twitter dm um yeah. i find that is uh, you know i'm having a lot of virtual coffees with people at the moment and in this new brave new world um so increasingly it's a, it's a you know an enterprise communication tool in a kind of an informal way and so yeah over the course of time i think i've got a greater appreciation of uh, of the makeup of uh, my followership
2: That's Nice. Really and what about um, in PwC, do you support other employees on their journey like this? Are you are they sort of showcasing you as a bit of an example within the company and, you know, is there the support infrastructure there to help you?
1: I think it, it, there is, and it comes in two different directions. There's the kind of the top-down central uh, brand and marketing teams that, uh, uh, you know, can help distribute, disseminate the, the new content for people to, to, to post and comment on. Um, and there's also an opportunity to access internal uh, training courses on how to do it. But I think that the bit that I've been far more attached to and been at the heart of, and it's the most uh, you know enjoyable part of, of this whole social media game is this more bottom-up approach of employee mm-hmm. advocacy. And uh, we've got a tremendous community at BWC. We've got a very large number of people globally, um, on Twitter in particular, and everyone's on LinkedIn, but I'm talking about the Twitter community here uh we you know we we do a lot of gamification in a friendly way but it's more about um inspiring people to join and to overcome that issue at the start when you're dawdling on four followers get one like a quarter and it's totally soul destroying to rapidly insert them into the middle of the community so you'll often see me say great here's here's you know frankie she's just joined our practice in climate change let's all follow her and give her a boost and share content etc and it's been brilliant that because people suddenly get an instant kick at the start and get a taste of uh, how powerful it can be
2: yeah and that's a great idea because i think this is where a lot of companies when they do advocacy they they do that approach you were talking about earlier which is you know the can you share this this is just like the get it out there but actually when you do it the right way which is it it's kind of like a community internally and you help each other out and you support each other and you train and you mentor and you l- learn from one another, probably the best way to do it, really, so. Totally, yeah,
1: and I think the, the bit that's been really powerful in a, in an organization so big and potentially quite hierarchical is the way that it flattens these uh, yeah. these silos down and the, and the different seniority and rank and grading going on. So you know, I'm as friendly with people on our global executive board um, as I am with um, probably our proudest uh, social media uh, achievement is getting uh, the inspirational Francis onto Twitter. Now, this guy runs our front desk in our head office, and he's an incredibly inspiring man. Uh, we call him our chief welcome officer, oh. head office. We have um, uh, clients that will be booked into our other office and specifically asked to be rebooked into the other main office <laughs> to see <laughs> to Francis. Yeah, yeah. It's a huge Brilliant. guy he'll spot you, he knows everybody's name and we managed to encourage him onto Twitter two years ago and it's just been brilliant, you know, everyone now is getting selfies with him when they go in, um, we've oh, had prime, cool. prime ministers uh, getting selfies with him and uh, he peaked at Davos last year, he was taken to Davos uh, to run our client lounge and uh, he got a selfie with Matt Damon. So <laughs> <laughs> wow. who, yeah. knew?
2: who knew? So that that that's been happen. brilliant,
1: you know, so, uh, so the ability to you know, create a, um, a sort of informal community and, and flatten the hierarchy is yeah. really powerful. And and it's not just for the sake of it, you know, this has genuinely led to collaboration. It's led to new projects getting off the ground. It's a lift of morale. It's helped with well being and mental health. Um, and I think overall, it, it it to avoid the A word, I think it genuinely does show the authentic side of the firm. Yeah. And I think the risk with big firms is they can be seen as a fairly soulless Mm -hmm. corporate Goliath without that level of sort of human essence at the heart
2: of it. Absolutely brilliant.
0: So apart from being uh, very miffed that I didn't get to meet Francis uh, when I (laughs) went went to the PwC offices, um, I I guess that the whole definition of social media was uh, exactly what you're talking about, to break down the boundaries, to just create social environments. But I suppose the word social media has just become this commoditized uh, channel that people are now trying to drive business from. So it's really, really great that that you're encouraging people who are starting off to get that engagement because sometimes uh, I think Sarah and I see that people start off and then just get um, a bit discouraged when they're not getting the traction. And I suppose to get them past the algorithms to build a bit of traction so that they start, you know, they can their posts can trend in different hashtags and it, it gets them into that debate and then they can then they can go somewhere. From that moment, I guess, rather than you know, sort of leaving them to their own devices, because they might not have the same motivation as you, because they haven't realised the benefits.
1: Yeah. Absolutely right. Yeah, I and mean, I see, I see countless uh, colleagues who looked like they had a go three years ago and have just run fallow, and you know, it's become more or less dormant accounts for two or three years since. Oh. And that's precisely because I think you start, you get off to a bit of a burst of momentum, and then nothing comes back. There's no payback. It reminds me of having a, a newborn yeah. baby and I've had, you know, three young kids. Uh, for me, <laughs> as much as I love my children, there's very little immediate payback in the first yeah. few weeks. <laughs>
2: for 18 years, I think, Exactly. Right? <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, until they start working and paying, yes,
0: I yeah. could definitely yeah, but, relate to but that. But they're financially depend, uh, independent after 40 years, so don't worry about it. Oh, yeah. That. yeah, that's, that's all
2: right then, we've not got long to wait then. <laughs> I have three kids as well, Rob. It's so, yeah, um, yeah, I sympathise. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, how, um, so Rob, with with the with the busy with the busy senior exec, that you know the 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 old line, you know, don't have time for this. Like, do you? It seems like you're encouraging a lot of the uh, a lot of the people that are already on social media, or wanting to get into this. I mean, Francis aside, you know, that that's obviously yeah. a wonderful story. Um, what about the senior leaders or the people that do think they're too busy? Like, do you have any any advice for them or what? how do you think that this is going to evolve in the next few years?
1: I think that it's increasingly critical now that people appreciate what personal brand is, what it means and how crucial it is to success. I think uh, there's constantly more and more growth in the way that people are being checked out prior to a meeting and maybe a cursory LinkedIn check might have taken place, but increasingly in the world of employment, uh, checking people out prior to conferences and uh, and big events or business meetings, it'll be a far broader multi-platform sort of sweep to work out what this person's about. So the greater intelligence you're able to have on somebody uh, it, you know, the more powerful the conversation can go, and I think the it goes from being kind of a nice to have hobby on the on the side to being a fundamental requirement as a business leader to uh, you know to demonstrate what you stand for, to be accessible to both your workforce and your customer base and the broader community you serve, to have a natural tone of voice, not to be packaged up and uh, turned into a kind of an automaton, some sort of PR robot. And I think um, it's a very, very powerful uh, platform uh, once you get it right. Of course, it is fraught with danger. You've got to be careful. You've got to be uh, mindful. But you can put personality and you can get some opinions across in a way that enhances your brand, increases your business success, and just gives you more enjoyment in the communities that you're part of.
2: I also what just to add to that, I almost wonder whether in the future of work and where this is all going to go, which is obviously a topic you know all about, Rob, um, it's just how you know being accessible and but as a digital leader, it's like you say, it's no longer a nice to have, it's essential, right? it's critical. Employees want to see you um, digitally, uh, customers want to reach you, People want to hear what you're saying or what you're saying, you know, they want to be connected to you when they can't be in the same office as you. And I, I just wonder if now more than ever, this is more important uh, or is it accelerated its importance, do you think? Well, I, I totally
1: agree. You know, you, there's a nice analogy there, isn't there, about people that lose one of their senses and how it enhances another another of their senses to make up for it. You know, it's the same thing here. We, we've been stripped of the ability to uh, engage in person in business meetings uh, conferences all the things that many of us do on a regular basis so this this absolutely enhances and uh, and, and uh, prioritizes the need to do this well and uh, and i think even before this uh, this this lockdown crisis kicked in increasingly there was a need as you were saying sarah to to demonstrate um uh, that, that sort of human side of your life and especially when now we're contemplating the very very Essence of the fabric of the workplace changing. Shift yeah. patterns will change. When you're on, when you're off. How do you demarcate between leaving this home office and joining the family out there later this afternoon? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you how do you how do you get that compartmentalization right? But but also, how do you show your staff and your workforce what you're about? And I think increasingly, even before this lockdown, we had some great success with, uh, in particular, senior men. Um, you know, saying, listen, I'm on the school run, here I'm out walking a dog after you know after picking the kids up from school, to destigmatize this uh, always on or this kind of uh, clock watching culture and uh, to, to kind of encourage people to to do that. Similar with uh, another topic um you know close to, to my heart and, and do a lot of work at PWC around this is around mental health and well-being and uh having uh this sort of platform to openly speak about this whether it's on podcasts or uh webcasts like this um uh, i think it really um uh, you know allows you to turbocharge some of these critical issues to uh, to to bring a broader section of your workforce into the conversation
2: yeah super
0: great i think i think it's it's really interesting because you've got a really good routine and and you've got three three times a day that you that, that you focus on social media and and I also like what you're saying about not posting too much on LinkedIn and that mm-hmm. it's uh, I, I I think you say that you post one or two times a week on LinkedIn whereas Twitter obviously there's a there's a sort of a content continuity about it and you know it's fine to continually push out content it's a kind of like more of a sort of swipe left swipe right you know kind of quick 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 like mm-hmm. sort of uh, social media culture so um so you've obviously got your pattern worked out but I suppose there's a lot of people that that need education around that and and you know everything from training to to social media regulations within the company um so I, I just wondered how you know how you think that this might evolve or whether there's um any what kind of support is given to the wider masses of pwc to be able to find their own way of running this
1: i i think um a good proportion of this is common sense and uh, especially when you're talking about sensitive issues whether it's political religious you know contentious issues um you know just just put you some use some common sense to think about this you know uh, regularly I, I've often drafted a tweet and thought you know what I'm not quite sure this is actually coming across well sat on it and then deleted it later
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, and uh, especially when you're angry about something
2: which you often <laughs> are on Hitting Twitter, the but, keyboard.
1: <laughs> you spend, you spend about 95% of your time on Twitter mainly angry and wanting yeah. to <laughs> shout at people. Uh, unfortunately I'm joking it's more like <laughs> More like 97 uh, <laughs> percent. Uh, but, but you know just just taking a pause of breath and thinking this is in perpetuity now you know it's a uh, it's a it's a permanent marker that people can always refer back to do you really want to be known for this <laughs> this commentary um so, so i think getting that across is important nevertheless there are both um a, a few helpful tactics and strategies that give people the um the, the head start, as we've discussed, to get off the mark, and then there are just uh, some requirement. There's a bit of a gentle prompt to give some certainty around the ground rules. You know what we what we can and can't talk about, really, if we're being sensible, um, just to keep people on the straight and narrow. Uh, so, yeah, I think I think the, 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 those two points do require a certain investment internally uh, to to give people the um, uh, the, you know, the rigor and the discipline and the certainty of what to do.
2: I think it's about building a, a confident a, a culture that's confident on social isn't it and that's going to take time and for years we've been spending telling people telling our employees do not say anything on social media about our company we've got media trained people for that do not get involved don't and then all of a sudden we've switched it the other way because everybody's heard about employee advocacy and now we're like get out on social media start share 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 you know and I think employees are understandably a little bit cautious aren't they and um, I think just building that confidence in a way, like you say, common sense. But one customer said to me once, Rob, you know, common sense for one employee is not common sense Ooh. for another. So don't assume <laughs> that there's a level of common sense. You've got to be, you almost got to spell it out for them and give them guidance. So, yeah, uh, yeah. It was quite funny. <laughs> I won't
0: fact, tell yeah. you the
2: story, but it was pretty bad what they did. But um, <laughs> I've got a quick question for you, Rob, actually, which is what are the, because a lot of people will be like, I'm investing loads of time in this. Um, what's the reward? What what do I get out of this? What, what when do I start seeing a return on the time investment I'm putting in? So, what kind of things do you see as outcomes for the time that you invest in?
1: So, I think this is um, important to um, get clear that the way that you measure success and a return on investment through social is not how you do it in almost oh, anything else in life. You know, you can. Go running every day, and eventually you'll break your half marathon time. You can sort of measure success by amount of effort put in, etc. But uh, it comes in a very weird way. I talk a lot about serendipity with with uh, with social media. I talk about serendipitous collisions. There's random things that slam together, and suddenly you're connected with the most inspiring person in Canada, and something <laughs> gets off the ground. And um, so uh, it's very hard to sort of track that and, and measure it and be too scientific about it. Like, in my opinion. But from a personal perspective, it's been absolutely transformative in my career. I've, uh, as I said before, travelled the world. I've been invited to speak at the United Nations. Um, I've been, uh, you know, at multi- multiple uh, glamorous conferences. Um, I've met Hollywood celebrities. Met Robert De Niro, met Harrison Ford. Had um, dinner with yeah. Princess Anne. I got the chance wow. to do a got the chance to do a TEDx talk. Oh my word! I've I've, uh, been appointed to four or five advisory boards, um, and you know, increasingly, all these things help continually propel you into interesting business conversations with uh, with with uh, clients, governments, stakeholders, regulators around the world, Mm -hmm. and um, and it's yeah, it's hard to sort of equate. Really, I couldn't have done this without social media.
0: And uh, so, when you were starting, Rob, like, did you have any any Objectives at that point—were you just wanting to connect with a few clients and prospects, or to just um, understand the conversation a bit more? Did you ever have any kind of uh, dream of, of these kind of ambitions, or did it just naturally happen, and then you just—you just—you uh, know—just took it in your stride uh, over the years?
1: I think it is much more the former. Sorry, much more the latter than the former. Tim, if I'm being honest, um, I don't think I ever had a strategy. I don't think I had a plan. Uh, I, I was finding it useful to uh, engage. I've had a few quick, interesting introductions of people, you know, in the early days. Um, and uh, I think I just was keen to see where it led. Just followed my nose. kept kept going at it. kept learning how to do it well. And uh, and then realise that increasingly it's not about actually you, it's how you bring other people into the conversation. So I'm much more interested now in helping to bring other people into the community um, because I get more of a kick out of that. And uh, and I think yeah, I then it. that builds up again different sorts of followership, and uh, and then people, uh, you know, will will increasingly come to you for more formal business purposes on a regular basis. Uh, so I no, think
0: uh, I think that community is, is, is just bang on. I, I I think, yeah, by, by, by giving and not so many people are are, are keen to ask too early, aren't they? To, to try and drive that ROI or whatever return they're trying to get out of it in the first kind of month. But I think your approach has obviously paid off by, by, by giving, by trying to bring community together and by learning. And you've actually got a lot more out of it. I think that's a great, a great example
1: I think so yeah I, I think it's uh, it, it's it's absolutely critical that you you know you, you think you, you've got to think about why you're doing this it's not purely just to I don't know get to the top of charts all the time and uh, and think about uh, followers in fact actually you guys I do the analytics more on this, but my followers aren't particularly high. I think I've got about uh, sixteen thousand on both platforms. So it's not about sheer volume. I think it's about level of engagement with a high quality community that you sit within.
2: Yeah, I love that. And it's, you know, there's a lot of talk around the influencers that have more engagement, you know, and actually a smaller audience, but a highly engaged audience. And I think that's it's not a popularity contest. This is actually about sharing, helping Supporting your network, your community, and I love the idea of just following your nose and see where it goes. Because who would have thought when you started on this journey like five, five, six years ago? you'd be having dinner with Princess Anne and you know, meeting Robert De Niro. I mean, that's crazy, isn't it? But I think that's the excitement of social is that it can open so many opportunities, and they all come from different angles that you'd never expect. Now, I think if you go into these with an agenda, if you go in like it's not pick up phone, get client meeting, it's not that immediate anymore. It's it's more the nature and the whole see how it forms and goes. I just think it's brilliant and exciting, makes it interesting as well. So. Yeah, brilliant!
0: Fantastic. Well, uh, thank you so much for for coming on our our series, Rob. Yeah, you know, it's the yeah, first. Yeah, make of, the
2: first one so the, easy. <laughs> first of many,
0: and uh, I don't know. I ju- I just got a lot out of it. I think that you exemplify all the. Character traits of of you know em, employee advocacy programs and just a sort of general culture of social media. So it, it's great to hear your successes, uh, and obviously we can see um, from the analysis that you're you're indexing high in terms of engagement around the around the topics you you you're passionate about. And and I love the fact that you post on personal stuff and it drives a lot of engagement as well around your beard and, and, and visla puppies, et cetera. Um, so I, I'm very jealous of your, um, of you getting to meet all those um, wonderful people, um, but I think it's a testament to all the great stuff that you've done. So um, thank you for sharing like, all of your, your experiences and thoughts on, on this channel.
1: Well, thanks to Tim and thanks to you, Sarah, for a, a lovely chat.
0: Great, and, and can you just remind the audience where they can find you on uh, on social and online?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You'll find me, uh, Rob McCargo on uh, LinkedIn and at Rob McCargo on Twitter as my two main platforms.
0: Fantastic. And if you want to see any more employee influencer interviews um, on Analytical Tribal's uh, websites, just visit the resources page. Um, We will bring you a couple of these per month and look forward to seeing you at our next one.
2: Thanks, Rob. Thank you.
0: Thank you.